Good morning, everybody. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the lead pastor of Ridgeview Church. Welcome uh, to our online service. We're so glad you decided to join us today. We are kicking off a brand new series called Games Families Play. And in this series, we're going to talk about family dynamics, relationships, how to turn them from uh, maybe some of the path to destruction to how they can be a blessing. And games are are very interesting. I don't know if you grew up playing games as a family. Uh, They can be very fun. Uh, But games can also uh, be competitive. I don't know if you like to play, uh, you know, all together as a family. But really soon in the family, it's easy to see those who uh, really care about winning, those that maybe don't care at all, those who hate games and all that it means, uh, and then maybe just those who are kind of somewhere in the middle. Uh, What usually happens in games is the ultra-competitive people uh, do whatever is necessary to win, and then maybe the people that don't care as much uh, just get beat. It feels like they never win any of the games. Uh, Over time, uh, this can make the competitive people really happy because they win. It can make those that aren't as competitive kind of like frustrated because why am I still doing this? And then if you play games with kids, that can lead to frustration because kids, you know, that they want to win, but oftentimes they may not know the strategies or they may not kind of know what to do to to win. And so all of this can lead uh, to many problems. Uh, Years ago, uh, we played Monopoly with my family. We were visiting them in England at the time. And uh, my wife and I were playing with my parents and the competitive juices got flowing. And before we knew it, uh, we had ended play frustrated, angry at each other. And we were trying to figure out how we were gonna just continue relating Uh, on this vacation. We were supposed to be there to enjoy each other, catch up, but because of this game of Monopoly, things blew up. And in that game, there's a lot of like dynamics like I've just mentioned. Uh, The reason we're focusing on this series is a lot like we play games together that are supposed to be fun, uh, we can also play games in the family relationships. And in our uh, relationships, we can kind of have different approaches. And so in this series, we're gonna kind of unpack What are the games and strategies that we have uh, as we relate? And so all of us are at different places. You may be married, and a lot of what we're going to talk about may be applicable to your marriage. Uh, You may be married with kids, and certainly a lot of what we're going to talk about in this series is related to kind of your family unit, how you relate to the kids, how do the kids relate to the parents. Uh, You may be single, and some of this you may think, well, how, how does this relate to me? And this kind of can be a sore subject because it's just, I'm longing uh, to be married. Well, I hope that this will still be an encouragement to you uh, so that you can find, well, how, how do I still relate to like my extended family? How do I relate uh, to roommates? And then Lord willing, if God grants you a spouse, like how do you relate to this person? And then Lord willing, if you're wanting to have kids, you don't have kids yet, uh, wherever you find yourself, uh, hopefully this will give you some helpful perspectives as well. Uh, whether you're an empty nester, Uh, whether you're single, whether you're married with kids, I hope that this will give you practical ideas and action steps according to the scriptures. How can we apply God's word uh, in all the various relationships we find ourselves? And what you find is these uh, relationships and the strategies we have, good or bad, uh, really do trickle into other relationships as well. Those that we have with our friendship, you know, friends and neighbors and at work. So our hope is as we dig into this series, this will kind of access every area of your life uh, to really be a help to you and also to the people uh, that you you relate to. And so I want to dig in uh, talking kind of about the root of unhealthy family dynamics. All of us have felt probably unhealthy family dynamics, maybe uh, people being harsh with each other, being sarcastic, 
kidding, not saying what we mean, maybe being manipulative, not quite telling the truth. All of these are our family dynamics and they're unhealthy. And so the Bible actually speaks uh, to the explanation of this. And I think the Bible is really the only source that we have to kind of get to the root of why do we relate in a way that's not helpful? Why do we relate in a way that puts us first above others? Why do we maybe not quick to change? Why do we kind of keep doing the same things over and over again? The help that we have in the scriptures is that it actually takes us back to the beginning. The first family that ever existed, the first couple was Adam and Eve. God created them just like he has created us. He created us in his image. We were created to have a relationship with him, a relationship with each other. But because of the choice that the first couple made to rebel, to go against God's will, to go against God's commands, they did their own thing. And because of that, we've really had unhealthy relationships and family dynamics ever since. And I want to dig into the scripture where God actually confronts uh, the cost of Adam and Eve's rebellion and really, therefore, all of humankind's uh, rebellion. Like, there is a cost to us wanting to do things our own way. Pay attention uh, to what, what God says because I think it's really helpful. He speaks to, to the woman. He says, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. There's a sense of which we can see the description of frustration that exists. The frustration exists for the man in his work and the toil. This also becomes the man's focus, and you can see this in daily life. Part of one of the family dynamics is the man oftentimes can get so wrapped up into his work that he can maybe neglect the family. And then for the woman, there's the sense of pain, not only in childbearing, but just the kind of raising up of, of kids. And then you've got the, the man that's toiling over here and it's just in the thorns and the thistles. And you got the woman who's trying to control and lead the man, but it doesn't work. And so you have kind of this problem with man and woman. You have problems with the kids and the whole family unit. Again, all across the spectrum from psychology to sociology to the different realms of culture, everyone's trying to figure out, why do we do what we do? Well, the Bible speaks, it goes back to the beginning. It goes back to rebellion. It goes back to the sense of we want to do things our own way. And because of that, there is a cost. I want to kind of get to the, to the root you know, of, of where this comes from, but talking about kind of how family dynamics work. Uh, this is helpful for me because oftentimes we experience, again, the unhealthy family dynamics, but we're not quite sure how it works. And we can relate to family our whole lives in a certain way and never really see the ramifications or the cost of it. So I want to kind of define uh, two terms. The first is all of us in family dynamics have what we call the family atmosphere. And this is related to like even biology. In biology, homeostasis is the the state of steady internal physical and chemical conditions maintained by living systems. We, we feel this in our body temperature, like a healthy body temperature is like 98.6 degrees. In our kind of COVID-19 world, so much has been made of fevers and high temperatures and restricting if you, if you have it. 
That's because health is tied to maintaining that 98.6 range, give or take a few. And the idea is if you get out of that, that, that temperature, uh, there's sickness. If you're too cold or too hot, there's something in your body that's not right. Uh, just like an a system, AC system, which also controls temperature, uh, families kind of have a set point on the temperature of, of relating. They're, that's the, the family atmosphere. Uh, it could be very cold, which is disengaged. It's very easy for family life to get in this. It's like, I do my thing, you do your thing, and let's just kind of keep separated. You can see this in spouses who become roommates over the years. Maybe their kids have left, they're empty nesters, and they don't really relate anymore. You can see this in siblings as they relate to each other. You do your thing, I do my thing. Let's stay out of each other's way. It's very cold. The other side of that is, is very hot. That is maybe uh, angry to the extreme of just being hot-tempered. And that is, there's this temperature in the home where if someone does something that unsettles, uh, there can be a blow-up. This can happen over dinners. This can happen on car rides. This can happen with extended family, all sorts of things. So cold, disengaged, hot, angry, outbursts. And most of our families kind of go from those to uh, extremes. The reason I bring this up is all of us have a family atmosphere. If you're married, you, you have one in your relationship with your spouse. If you have kids, the family has one as they relate to each other and to the parents. We have it to our extended family. And we also have it with our roommates. We have it with also those relationships at work. All of these kind of atmosphere, there's a sense of how we relate. So that's the first thing. There's a sense of this atmosphere, whether it's hot or whether it's cold. There's also something related to this in the atmosphere called the feedback loop. And this is how family dynamics work. The sense is we relate a certain way. If we're disengaged, that's what we do. And we don't necessarily talk about it, but if anyone kind of goes outside of that norm and maybe does something that's not normal, uh, feedback is given like, that's not how we do things. And that could be if a family's not that affectionate and maybe one of the kids gets married and an in-law comes in and now they're, they're very affectionate and there's something about the family like, whoa, that's not what we do. We're a little bit disengaged. We don't really get in each other's faces and we're not affectionate. It could be the same with the kinds of words that we use, how we talk to each other. If you come from a family uh, that are yellers and you get married to a family that they don't say anything, uh, that feedback loop starts really early and there can be some conflict. This is how I've always related and this is how I've always related and the two aren't the same. And kids pick up on this all the time as well. What gets my parents' attention? What do my parents praise? What do they, what do they value? What's, what's normal here? What's accepted? And they learn that. Is it academics? Is it how I treat people? Is it character? Is it what I say? Is it what I do? And there's this feedback loop that's going on all the time. And it's basically, this is how we relate as a family. The reason I bring this up is we do this so many times without thinking. In fact, we have a family atmosphere and a feedback loop most of the time related to how our family raised us. And I don't know about you, but we spend so much of our time thinking, I'm not gonna do like my parents did, or I'm gonna do what they did. I loved our family. And so you can kind of go again from one extreme to the other, but most of the time we just do what we've seen and experienced, or we react to that extreme and do the opposite, which can also have adverse effects. And so all of this is going on. There's a family atmosphere and then there's, there's feedback loop. And it reminds me of the game Sorry. Here's an image of that. I don't know if you've ever played that game, but Sorry uh, really should be called Frustration because the game, uh, you move pieces and you're kind of trying to get around the board to your home base, 
But if you land on another person, uh, you have to start over. And that is a lot how family dynamics work, our relationships. We just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and we don't change. And we just keep starting over. The relationship hits the conflict, and then we back up, we start over. We get to the conflict again, and it seems like we can't really deal with the issues. That's a key part of the feedback loop and the atmosphere as well. You may be from a family and you don't really talk about these kinds of things. And you experience the pain like Eve. You experience the frustration like Adam, the first couple. And, and all of this goes on most of the time without us even talking about it. But we all experience it. So in this series, we're going to unpack, well, how do we move beyond the dynamics that we all feel? And maybe the feedback loop and where we just feel like we're stuck in a rut and we can't get past. And we're just this piece on a game that keeps starting over and starting over. The good news is God gives us so much help. Before we dig on to dig into the solution God's bringing, I want to show you a clip uh, from the series Malcolm in the Middle. This is a great sitcom uh, that's no longer around but has a lot of episodes you can watch. Uh, A lot on this feedback loop in the family dynamics. In this clip, you're gonna see the kids relating to the mom, wanting things to be done a certain way and the mom take a stand. Then the dad takes a different stand and they're not on the same page. And this is a lot about atmosphere, feedback loop. Kids talk to parents to get what they want. Parents not on the same page and then realizing they need to. Check out this clip and notice the family dynamics that happen. Boys, I wanted to talk to you. I've got some good news. I've been thinking. You're both growing up. You're showing a lot more maturity these days. I think you've earned the right to a little bit more independence. We're getting a car. You're both getting jobs. What? What? Malcolm, I talked to the manager of the Lucky Aid this morning. You start there tomorrow. You want me to work at your store? With you? Yes. Reese, since you've been mentioned six times by name in the security handbook, you have to look for a job somewhere else. But I want you in a paper hat by the end of the week. Please don't do this to me. Just let me find my own job. Malcolm, it's already done. I had to call in a lot of favors with Mr. Young for you. You are not going to make me look bad by not honoring your commitments. How is it my commitment? Because I'm your mother and you're doing it. That's final. I was thinking, there's a lot of germs flying Yeah, Mom has a stupid idea about working. That's enough. You boys heard your mother. We have always said you have to concentrate on your schoolwork before wasting your time on dead-end jobs. You have got your whole life to work and only one chance to learn. I told them to get jobs, Hal. The value of hard work. Money doesn't grow on trees. The sooner you two kids have jobs, the better. So that clip's humorous. I appreciate just the on the spot, try on the fly, like the parents trying to figure this out. But most of the time, it's not that easy. There's a lot of ramifications and frustration. So let's dig into what is God's help for healthy family dynamics. Healthy is basically how do we relate in the right way? Uh, again, we use the word healthy all the time. It's kind of uh, like not quite clear on, on what that means. Like, does that mean I do or say things or not say things? Well, healthy is really a metaphor for relationships, and we should measure it according to the Bible. Uh, really, godliness and treating each other the way the Bible says, that, that's actually what, what health is. Therefore, the opposite's true. Not doing what God says, that, that's actually unhealthy. And the Bible is very practical. It gives a lot of helps. Uh, it gives a lot of help to us. And so God provides this, this help for just how do we deal with the damaging uh, dynamics? How do we move towards God's ways? And a lot of it's in our thoughts. What do we need to think according to what God commands? What does that mean that, that we say? 
Like, what are the words that I should be using in my relationships? Uh, what should I actually do to be a help? I don't know about you, but it's so easy to get stuck. Even in my marriage, like I've been married to my wife, Samantha, for many years, but I still find myself like, oh, in this situation, I don't know what would be helpful. I don't know how to be proactive. And then with my kids, it's the same way. They, they change stages in development and their needs are not the same as they were six months ago. And so many times I feel paralyzed, but, but God's word is timeless and his help is here to, to really guide us forward. And so God really does provide the help for this healthy approach to family dynamics. That is, how do we act in a way according to God's commands in line with that? So let's start there. God's word is the solid foundation for family life. Uh, we can build our families on all sorts of foundations. Uh, we could build it again on academics, how we achieve and in our intelligence, how we get uh, move ahead and kind of all that we can learn. And certainly that's important. Uh, we could also gain uh, like a foundation of athletics and performance and uh, like how do we physically um, grow and, and how do we provide those opportunities for our kids. Uh, we can also do that uh, in a variety of ways, but, but God's word is really the only solid foundation that doesn't change and that actually gives us what we need. Athletics are helpful, intelligence certainly, and education are helpful, but they don't actually deal with the heart. They don't actually change us. God's word is the only solid foundation. I want to uh, share a, a metaphor that, that Jesus uh, commanded in the New Testament that gives us this picture of like the kind of life that you can build. And he uses a specific word, house. And I think that's kind of pertinent for this series, the idea of a family and the house and the household. But it's really talking about how do you build a life? Well, check out these words of what he says. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. There, there's a contrast. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who, builds, who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So the picture is here. We all are choosing to build a foundation on something. Again, it could be what we've always learned and done in our own family. Again, the pursuits, the goals, the dreams that our parents had, their grandparents or our own as our own parents. As we relate to our siblings, we all have those things. It's all a mix of our goals and desires. We all have a foundation. But what Jesus is describing is the other issue is we all face Storms as well. There's problems that come up. There's challenges. There's pressures that each of us face uh, in our lives and as a family. And Jesus is saying, "Is listen, I, I'm commanding you. I've given you my word. Jesus himself is kind of described as he is the living word. He's giving us his ways according to the scriptures. As we dig into the Bible, we're finding the way of Jesus. We're learning and listening to him. It's like we can open our ears. And Jesus is saying in this passage, listen, if you want to build a household, the only way you can build on the foundation that is sturdy and a rock, that's by doing what I say. It's, it's actually living according to the scriptures. Again, you have freedom. You can choose any foundation, but the rock is the rock of God's word. That's the only foundation that will stand. All the other foundations are like sand. They move, they shift. Right when you think you're on the right track, something changes, the rules change. But God's word, it doesn't change. 
It's timeless. It's relevant. It's applicable. No matter whether we're in this decade or decades before, in the past and decades to come, it's relevant uh, for us. And so I want to encourage all of you as we talk about family dynamics, relationships, all these things important to us, allow God's word to be the foundation for your life. Allow God's word to be the foundation uh, for your family. And what, what I mean by that is you, you, have to, you have to read it, you have to study, uh, you have to listen, and then you have to begin to put it into practice. Like, how do I apply it? And there's some next steps that you can take today, which is actually to do that, get into God's word. There's a passage in Colossians and Ephesians 4, which I'll mention, that you can begin to read. Like, these are some things that I can actually put into practice in my relationships. And you're saying like, okay, God, I, I trust you as I do this. Will you show me like how to choose this way and will you give me the strength to, to follow uh, through? When I dig into the scriptures for myself, so many times God brings something up that I need to address. Oftentimes it's in my attitude, just the way I'm thinking that's not right. It might be a, a lie that I've kind of held onto that's leading me in a wrong direction. Sometimes as I relate to my kids, I read God's word and I say, you know, I'm not, I'm not being compassionate. God's word tells me, be compassionate, be sympathetic with one another. There's just times I'm not. I'm short with my kids. I'm, I'm harsh. In God's word, it just, it convicts me. It shows me a better way. Again, the rock is kind of under my feet. It doesn't beat me up. It doesn't beat me with a rock. It, it supports me. And that's what God's word does. And so I encourage you, get into God's word. Learn his ways. Learn how to relate. Learn the, really the way of life that Jesus offers. And that is the beginning of turning into healthy uh, family dynamics. And so God's word is the only solid foundation. We can look all sorts of places, and you probably have. But what you're finding, if you've not applied God's word to your life, or you're not following Jesus' commands, you probably had that experience where you're kind of standing and it feels a little bit like you're on uneven ground. You've got maybe a little bit of your family history. You've got a little bit of culture. You've got some media. You've got your own ideas. And what it is, is it's all over the place. There's no standard for which to live because they all come from different streams and different ideas. And a lot of it's do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel good. And that foundation is very shaky because that changes as well. And God's way is the opposite. So the foundation is critical. And once you lay that foundation, this leads to the next point. And that is God's love sets the right temperature. So we're kind of talking about this building your house, your household, right? Well, you got to lay the foundation and then it gets now into once the foundation is laid and you built something, now you can set the right atmosphere and the right temperature. That is when you come into these relationships, it feels a certain way. I don't know if you've ever entered into a relationship or a situation where people um, have been having a conflict and you step into this and you know something's not right. There's a look on people's face. There's the body language. There's facial expressions. There's the words that are being used. It's the way people are looking or not looking at each other. You can sense, whoa, something's going on. That's the, the temperature. You're feeling it. Again, it's not something on the wall that says conflict's here, but you know the heat's been turned up or it's very cold and it's disengaged. But it's God's love that sets the right temperature. And I want to just share a little bit more about Jesus because not only is he saying, follow me in my ways, that's the rock, but he also sets the example of what love is. Jesus spells love, S-A-C-R-I-F-I-C-E. And that word is sacrifice. 
if you want to set the right temperature in family life and in your relationships, it begins with sacrifice. John 13 says this, a new commandment I give to you. This is Jesus speaking. He says that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When he gave this commandment in John 13, uh, it was actually the Thursday night before he died. And we talk about the ultimate sacrifice. He actually died on the cross for our sins. He paid the price so that we could experience love. He loved us so that we could actually receive forgiveness. We could receive grace. And once we decide to follow Jesus, that love that he expressed now becomes the love that we can live by as well. That love he gives to us. And we can follow in his steps. Now, for us, it's not probably going to be sacrificing our life in a real tangible way. It could be. But for the most part, it's sacrificing our selfishness or it's sacrificing our goals or it's sacrificing our rest in order to love other people. In a practical example, what Jesus did as he washed his disciples' feet, as he's explaining this sacrifice, as he's explaining this kind of love, he did what only the lowest of the servants would do. They'd wear sandals and they're walking in dirty, dusty roads everywhere. And the disciples' feet were just atrocious and there was no one to do it. And Jesus didn't ask his disciples who who would like to wash the feet. He did it himself. He got down, he had a towel, got the water, and he began washing their feet. Now, why would Jesus do that? Here's the one that says, Follow me, I'm the, the foundation, I'm the rock. He has credentials and he is the son of God. No one can compare with him. But he came to lay his life down. He did not consider equality with God. He, he made himself a servant, he chose it. And as he washed their feet, he's this living example. Could you imagine being there and seeing the Messiah, the king, washing your stinky gross, dirty feet. Now, I don't like feet at all. And so this actually kind of resonates with me in a real way. There's just something about this is a sacrifice. And Jesus did what the lowest of the servants would do. That's the picture of love. It's sacrifice. It was clear through his action. And here's the message that he's, he's modeling to his disciples. And he's modeling to all of us who follow him. And it's this, my followers respond to the needs they see around them and they take initiative to meet them out of love. That's what sacrifice is. I'm looking, how can I serve? How can I extend myself? How can I meet a need and then do it? So you're looking, you're searching. Oh, it's so easy in family life. You just focus on how are people meeting my needs? How are my roommates? How are my kids? How's my husband? Everyone, what are they doing to serve me? And Jesus is saying, actually, what can you do to serve them? It's the opposite. And that's the kind of love that Jesus describes as agape love. That's the kind of love that he uh, exhibited. And agape love really means doing what's best for someone regardless of how you feel. It's not a feeling based. It's not like romantic love. 
that just comes and goes. It's this, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to love and I'm going to sacrifice. This is a unique kind of love. This is supernatural type of love. This is the only type of love that you can get once you decide to follow Jesus. Like, it's his love, laying your life down. And this is the kind of love that sets the right temperature. It's the right foundation, following Jesus in his ways. And once you build that foundation, you can build your house and the relationships on this sacrificial love. Check out the scripture in Philippians 2. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is a practical verse on love. Selfish ambition in the Greek, uh, the New Testament was, was written in, it translates, it means self, self-seeking rivalry, right? So selfish ambition, it's a self-seeking rivalry. Like I want what I want and I'm gonna compete against you to get what I want. Like I know you, know, you want what you want, I want what I want and we're gonna compete. There's this rivalry. And then dictionary.com says that selfish ambition is being devoted to caring only for oneself, concerned with one's own interests, benefits, welfare, etc., regardless of others. This is the exact opposite of the right temperature. But this is what's native to us all. Hear me. This is the norm. Just like Adam and Eve experienced. You go your own way. That's that selfish ambition. I'm seeking my own goals. I'm seeking my own ways. I'm seeking my own feelings, my own values. And I'm going to decide what's right. I'm going to decide what feels good. I'm going to decide how to live my life. And as you do that, all you have is people self-seeking rivalry, all relating to each other. There's no love there. It's cold. It's full of fires as we do the different extremes. And we got this from our first grandparents. They each decided to go their own way. And we have too. We've all rebelled. And we all have that that stubborn self-determination to get uh, what we want. And so what we need is we we need God's help to get past ourselves. There's actually really no other lasting help outside of Jesus and his word. That's why it's the foundation for a healthy family. And that's why we need the right temperature that's connected to Jesus' love, not, not anything else. Now we can grow and learn, and we certainly can change But lasting change only comes from doing things Jesus' way. There's lots of self-help books. There's lots of ideas out there. But we need God's help to get past ourselves. He's the only one that can change our heart. Why? Because he created our heart. He created us. And he only has the power uh, to change. At Ridgeview, uh, we practiced heart attitudes. And actually, our first heart attitude is built on this idea of sacrificial love in Philippians 2, that passage I just read. And heart attitude number one is this, put the goals of interests of others above my own. That is, I'm going to continually look, right? Look to the needs around me and see how I can help people with their goals. So in family life, as your kids uh, maybe have a need, it's easy to just kind of disregard that. It's just, no, you say no. We could have a culture of no. No, 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 no. My wife and I sometimes, we, we just spend our days sometimes saying no. But how can I say yes? What are some things that I could do? Yes, I'll, I'll help you here. Yes, we could do that. Kind of can add some delight. Like, I, I want to help you with your goals. 
How can I say yes? The same with our marriages, the same with roommates, the same with our extended family. What are things that we can do? Maybe not what we want, but we can extend ourselves uh, to others. Once you do this, once you apply that, like put the goals and interests of others above my own, that's where you can really see the change uh, based on God's help. So I wanna encourage you, look to set the right temperature in your home. If you're not a follower of Christ, one of the next steps today is, is take that step to, to follow him. Again, you can't change outside you know, God. You, you need him. You need Jesus' sacrifice. And you need to accept his grace so that you can change. You need his love to transform you. And, and certainly I encourage you to do that. I want to just end with the next steps, kind of like I've already mentioned. And the first is that next step of deciding to follow Jesus. And so for the first time, I'm accepting Jesus as my Savior and committing to follow him as Lord. On your connection card, please fill that out. That, that helps us follow up with you. If you take this step, but you don't let us know, there's no way that we can follow up and encourage you and, and give you uh, help and resources. So if you write that, we're gonna follow up with you and we're gonna kind of help you navigate what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? If you've never decided to, to do that, to surrender your life to him, make that decision today. Build on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. So take that next step. The next is let God's word set the, the temperature in my family relationships and uh, friendships. And I mentioned a couple passages generally, but specifically uh, read Colossians 3 verses 12 through 15. That could be a place to start. You could also read Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. These have great commands on the right temperature. These are the things you can do in our relationships. This is how we can treat one another. So I encourage you, uh, check those out. Read those for, for yourselves. And then the last is come back uh, for the rest of this series and invite someone uh, to attend. Uh, if you're ready to come, we encourage you. We've just moved to the Jesse Turner Center. We encourage you, come worship with us uh, inside uh, in this new location. Invite somebody to come with you. Uh, if you're not re yet ready, invite somebody to, to watch online. Share the link so that they can uh, learn or maybe even revisit this message. It's on our, our webpage that they can uh, catch up to the series as well. So I encourage you, come back, continue to learn as we unpack more of what the Bible says our family relationship. So thank you so much uh, for being with us uh, today. I'm so glad. I hope it's been a help to you. Uh, let us know how we can pray for you. Finish filling out that connection card and uh, we'll walk through some other next steps that you can take. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jesus and his life, that he really is the foundation that we can build on. Thank you that he came to sacrifice for our sins. He took really the sin upon himself and he knew no sin, but he took it so that we could receive forgiveness and mercy. God, thank you for the, the fact that that reality changes everything and it sets a new temperature in our homes. Uh, God, I just pray for those of us, it's easy to beat ourselves up because of the things that we're doing wrong. It's easy to focus on uh, the negative things that people do to us or we do to others, but there's no, there's no like help there, we just can get condemned or we could judge others. So Lord, help us just to pinpoint the next step that we can take. What is what we need to do to set the right temperature? What's something we need to do to apply God's word to build the right foundation? So just show us right now, God, we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.